Welcome. You've reached the Brothers Journey Show with your host and navigator, Brother Steve. The Brothers Journey is where we connect brother to brother, seeking wisdom and knowledge on our way to building understanding. Join the journey with Brother Steve. We will have real discussions and thought-provoking interviews on a wide range of topics for the purpose of creating a winning strategy. Together, we will work to sharpen our vision and encourage action for our kingdom assignment. Now, let's get it. All right. So welcome again, Brother Timothy Weaver to the Brothers Journey Show. I appreciate your time, sir. Thank you. Thank you. So if you could... um, Tell the brothers a little bit about who you are and what you're doing and and, and all of that good stuff. Okay. Well, I'll give you a little background of, as far as my uh, life story goes. Um, I was raised in New Jersey, uh, went to public schools. After graduating high school, I went to Rutgers College in New Brunswick, New Jersey, majored in psychology. While in college, I was drafted. Vietnam War was going on at that time, so they had a lottery system. If you got a low lottery number, then you would have to enter the military. I had a low lottery number, so but fortunately, I was a full-time college student, so I had a deferment while I was in college. As soon as I graduated, though, in 1972, I entered the military. Instead of being drafted into the Army, I joined the Air Force. So I worked as a mental health specialist in the Air Force, stationed at Langley Air Force Base after completing basic training and going to tech school. I worked at Langley Air Force Base, then I went on to Bergstrom Air Force Base, and then from there to Anderson Air Force Base. For those who are not familiar with where they are, Langley Air Force Base is in Hampton, Virginia, Bergstrom Air Force Base in Austin, Texas, and Anderson Air Force Base is in Guam, a little island out in the South Pacific. Got it. So uh, those are the places I was stationed, working at a hospital, evaluating uh, active duty members and their dependents, that is their wives and their children, who had mental health issues. Um, So my job was to evaluate them come up with a provisional diagnosis and a recommendation. And because I had a degree in psychology, the psychiatrist also allowed me to see see these individuals, if I felt comfortable, see them on a weekly basis and provide psychotherapy. So I did that and gained a lot of experience while doing that. Of course, while in the military, I went to school at night, earned my master's degree in human relations from the University of Oklahoma. And then after getting out of the military in 1977, active duty, um, I went on to work on my doctorate in counseling, psychology, and guidance. So I have all but my dissertation completed towards my doctorate in counseling, psychology, and guidance at Rutgers University. Um, So my work history includes working uh, as a college counselor, a college administrator, uh, working in various emergency rooms as a psychiatric specialist, uh, seeing people who came into the emergency room who were depressed or suicidal or had alcohol or drug problems or had family problems. 
And I also did a mobile outreach in the community where the police would go. I'd get a phone call in, into the emergency room saying a person was wielding, let's, for example, wielding a machete at his home. And he's barricaded himself in his room. So they asked me to come out and evaluate that person. So I would call a, the local police. They would go out and secure the place to make sure it was safe for me to go in. And I would evaluate that person. And then if that person, I, if I deemed that that person was a danger to themselves or others due to mental illness, I could fill out a form and they would be sent to a psychiatric facility for evaluation. Okay. So I've done a lot of things over the years. I've worked as a college counselor in the psychiatric emergency room service. I've been a college professor teaching psychology courses at various colleges and universities. Uh, I've wow. worked in oh. private practice. I've worked inpatient, outpatient, substance abuse counseling. I've done a lot of things over the years. Currently, yeah, so, I'm a, so you you definitely come uh, equipped, if not if, if, for sure. Yes, for, work, for for this conversation and hopefully many more and. So you you still practice by providing, um, I guess, some counseling services on your on your own now, right? That is correct. I work. Okay. I have a private practice um, here in Florida. I live in Florida, but mm -hmm. I also have an online. Um, I do online counseling, so I have clients all over the world. Oh, wow! Through through Zoom, like Zoom session, mm -hmm. I can meet people. All I have clients all over the world. Good, good, good. Uh, and uh, I can see people that way. Got it, got it. So, you know, I, like I said, some of the few of the talking points which we can, you know, go deeper into or brush right mm -hmm. across. Sure. So the first one is, you know, the trauma. You know, we hear a lot or there's a lot of talk about, you know, trauma, whether it be PTSD, things of that nature. So yes. how is that? Is that, is that just a new term on an old thing or what is that all about? Well, trauma has been around a long time. They've had different labels for it over the years, mm -hmm. um, especially in the military community. Uh, but currently, um, the pr primary diagnosis dealing with trauma is PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. And that's a condition where a person's been exposed to a traumatic event either witnessing an event or involved in the actual event or or was threatened with death or serious injury. Um, and uh, a person reacts to, to being exposed to that kind of uh, trauma, traumatic event. Some people respond with intense fear, helplessness, and horror. Uh, some people have reoccurring uh, dreams or images or thoughts about the traumatic event. Um, others have uh, intense psychological distress, feeling, feeling scared or feeling frightened. If a sound, for example, a sound, I remember when I was in Saudi Arabia, I, I, I was over in Saudi Arabia during the first Gulf, the uh, Gulf War, mm -hmm. that Desert Shield, Desert Storm in October of 1990, and I was there right. until April, April of 91. 
and there was there were there were uh, sirens that would go off when Scud missiles were being sent and would impact near us. So when those Scud when that siren went off, we had to quickly put on our our gas masks, our, our chem gear, mm-hmm. and get it go into a bunker, basically a hole in the ground right. that was covered with a metal plate. Um, and a lot of people couldn't handle it. So there were people in my unit who said, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? They were, they were like, they were like so upset about the experience. They had to be walked through in terms of what to do. Put on your face mask. Put on your chem gear. Get into the bunker. You, we have to literally talk them through what to do because they, they, they lost it. They, they really lost the ability to function. Mm, um, yeah. So that's just one example. But uh, people have these re- reoccurring experiences even after the exposure to the traumatic event. Years later, they something may trigger. A siren may trigger or any loud thump or something may remind them of a Scud missile attack mm. uh, or some other traumatic event. Of course, there are many, many situations. I'm just talking about the uh, Desert Shield Desert Storm experience. Right, right. But there are veterans who've been uh, who've been over in Vietnam and other places and have have witnessed death and dying. All mm-hmm. kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. And as you was talking, you know, traumatic events, and I, you know, I don't want to make it a racial thing, but haven't we, as people of color, been dealing with traumatic events four hundred years? Or oh, I mean, absolutely. you know, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, it's like, yeah, that's great. Well, and I don't want to say just us because you know everybody, but you know, even going back then, and then yes. even now. Yeah, with COVID and shootings in schools or whatever. Oh yeah, the, the, it's it's incredible. Our people, their strength to survive. I mean, you know, if you go back in time, we're talking about lynching. Um, we're talking, uh, you know, about uh, burning burning down whole towns. Right. Uh, you know, um, our discrimination where 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 the where our people could not get jobs, um, you know, were denied mm-hmm. housing, denied health care, and on and on and on and on. So yes, as a as a as a people, we have suffered and we've been traumatized. And um, you know, this is this is what you say is very true. Yes, yes, yeah. So the recovery, um, and I think we had talked about it a little a little briefly about, you know, whether it be a recovery or a readjustment, I guess, from those um, traumatic events, you know, they put the label of post-traumatic means after. So um, as far as that is concerned, I guess that's, that's kind of what what you do in your, in your, in your practice now is help people recover from those or readjust. That is true. That is true. Um, You know, and, um, the truth of the matter is there are a lot of veterans who want to put on an image of Superman, superhero, where I can mm-hmm. handle it. Right. Uh, and they don't want to admit that they've been traumatized or that they keep it to themselves. They don't mm-hmm. 
They don't tell anybody about it. And uh, that's unfortunate. I was one of those individuals. Mm. For a long time, I didn't, I didn't own up to the trauma that I had been through and uh, didn't talk about it and, and wouldn't even admit it. Um, and, and finally, I decided, you know, this is crazy. I need to, I need to uh, own it. I need to admit what I've been through, get the help that I need to work through the trauma that I've experienced and also get the benefit. Um, you know, uh, veterans who've been traumatized can apply for disability benefits and get and get the government to, to pay them right. for for that traumatic experience. Yeah. So yeah. I've helped veterans to apply for uh, for disability benefits through the VA. And some of them have have are, you know, received significant awards uh, for, uh, you know, for the trauma that they've experienced. Can you experience a trauma without knowing it? And then later it, you know, because, you know, for us in the military, you know, some of those things were were I don't want to say routine, but more commonplace, you know, hey, yes. just, you know, suck it up, and move on. Yes. And then doing the heat of the or the I don't want to be weak or whatever. Right. But later on, when you've had a chance to decompress and. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, you can come to realize that you've been traumatized some years later, uh, much many years later after the event. Like I said, I, I was in denial for quite a while. I didn't want to admit mm-hmm. that I had been ex- that I'd been traumatized. Right. And it was right, some right. some, I don't know, 10, 15 years later. Wow. That I finally owned up to it and uh, applied and received compensation for for the trauma that I experienced. So, am I wrong in being upset with a person who, dare I say, wear their trauma as a I don't want to say a badge of honor, but that trauma has labeled them. Mm-hmm. This is out. Of, this is outside of the military. For instance, you know. When they were little, you know, their parent or their relative or whomever traumatized them. Yes. And now it seems that every conversation or every other conversation mm-hmm. that surfaces again. Mm-hmm. And and in the case where I'm like, OK, if it, if it was me that traumatized, OK, I'm sorry then and now. What am yes. I supposed to do? Yeah. Well, the individual who suffered the trauma should probably well would benefit from seeking therapy talking mm-hmm. to someone right. who has some expertise in dealing with trauma past trauma um, and helping that person to first of all uh, own what happened you know and then once they own it uh, then work through the trauma so that they can move on because otherwise I mean if if, for example, a person's been traumatized as a child and uh, they get in another, they, let's say they get in a relationship down the road and something triggers that trauma and then they act out based on their earlier trauma, they, they haven't really resolved what happened from in the past. So right. they need to work through that and resolve that past trauma so they can deal with life and enjoy life in the now. In the here and now. 
and as as I mentioned before, the the script kind of deviates, which is the point now. Yes, yes. So from from the from what I'm doing here with the podcast, reaching out to the brothers and the veterans and all of that. Yes. When you were talking, I thought I think of or I thought of, and I think I've done it in a previous episode, where you know the black man's driving and the police pulls up behind him. Yes. So what is that where I I I, I may not be traumatized yet, but just mm-hmm. the whole scenario getting ready to play out causes me a level of trauma or or some other word and maybe not trauma. Yeah. But I'm 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 like, oh, here we go. Oh yeah. Well absolutely. I mean uh think about think about it. Um we have memories of events in our past and something that happens later on, let's say, you know, those red lights flashing behind you, police car could trigger, could trigger those feelings of being fearful, of, of, uh, of uh, feeling overwhelmed. Um, so, what we need to do is recognize, recognize what's happened in the past that triggered our trauma. Um, you know, I mean, we may have had, we may have uh, had rushes with the bad experiences with law enforcement in the past where, uh, you know, handcuffed or, um, or um, given a harsh sentence for a minor, minor infraction, any number of things that when that you associate law enforcement with very negative thoughts, with very negative experiences. And, um, so, so a, a new event with police pulling you over with red lights flashing could, could trigger those feelings uh, of, of, of being um, harassed and, um, you know, mistreated by the police. And um, that could bring up all of that fear and anxiety and, and uh, could, 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 lead to a person acting in ways that they normally wouldn't respond because of the past negative experiences they've had. Right. So, uh, you know, so anyway, that's something I think, and we as a people, um, you know, black men have had to have conversations with their children about how to deal with the police so that they don't end up being shot or, or um, you know, beaten up uh, or even killed. Um, so black mothers or black fathers have had conversations with their children about if a police officer approaches you, this is how you handle it. You know, um, be, based on our experiences, you based, given the history of, of uh, violence towards people of color in this country. You know. Yes, yes, yeah. And yeah. it's, you know, and as you were talking, and, and I have had, fortunately, all of my blue light experience or red light or whatever have been somewhat on a positive. I've never been handcuffed and yes. beaten up. But yes. then to see it unfold on the news or yes. social media yes. is enough to like, oh, is it my turn? Right, so that, right. that could come up even Absolutely. if I haven't experienced Absolutely. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good, good, good. So 
Um, in my current job, I, I, I help homeless veterans find housing. Mm-hmm. And since my first day there, I, you know, I, I noticed the veterans who are, who are bringing all of that stuff, you know, they deal with. Yes. And then compounding being homeless. Mm-hmm. And I asked the um, social worker there yes. and she was going through an intake and she was just going. And, and then when he, when they finished, she was very frustrated about his responses, about his drug use and how casual he was or whatever. And I asked her if homelessness was a thing, mm-hmm. you know, is that a thing that you need to be in a, in a category or when they check that box, does that unveil a whole different thing? So from your perspective, mm-hmm. is homelessness, dare I say, a thing? Well, quite honestly, it's sort of like the chicken or the egg, you know, which comes first. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who are homeless, of course, um, there's, they're typically are coming from low income situation where they can't afford that there's they can't afford housing um, or they don't have the resources to uh, to to find a place to live now um, but also they also may have mental health issues they may be depressed they may be prone to, to uh, uh, addictions. Some 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 could be substance abuse, uh, or could be uh, sex addiction. It could be any number of addictions, um, and um, that also contributes to their ability to find work, to support themselves. Um, mm-hmm. So you have this, you have the situation where a person who's compromised in terms of their functioning, be, their ability to find work the ability to, uh, to uh, find housing. Um, and they also, and then they're out in the street. They don't have a place to live. So they're dealing with survival, trying to find food to get by. So, so they're not hungry. Um, right. but, but in addition to that, they could also be suffering from depression or anxiety, panic attacks, uh, or, or that might be, schizophrenic that might hear voices or see things that other people don't see um mm. paranoid you know f- believing that people are out to get them out to do them harm um and all of these and all of these conditions it, it all it only exacerbates their condition as, of being homeless so um so they not only need housing but they also need uh, services. They need services. They need. Uh, they may need uh, counseling. They may need medication. Um, they may need a support group. They may, you know, I mean, need other services uh, in addition to just a place to sleep. Um, they may need other support services, and typically these support services are are uh, backlogged in terms of getting appointments, getting getting into a treatment program. Um, and um, so here they are in need of services. There's a backlog of, in terms of entering a, entering into a treatment program. And uh, so they're dealing with, dealing with these demons in their head 
and they're um, you know they're struggling with with uh, with being out in the street and and feeling hungry, mm-hmm. um, and so it's it's very difficult without having without having this network of s- services that are needed, housing. Uh, you know, of course, they need clothing. They need the basic, right, right, basic right. needs to be able to shower, bathe, mm-hmm. uh, safety. Mm-hmm. You know, they need right. to be safety. Feeling, yeah, feeling safe, um, and they need other support services that typically they're, they're not enough of. And and the few services that there are, there's a backlog in terms of when you can get in to, to get to to participate. Yeah, because we have to operate under what's called the housing first model mm-hmm. where, you know, the VA is telling us, look, all of that which you know they're bringing with them, we can't resolve that mm-hmm. prior to putting them in a house. Yeah. So let's just get them in a house mm-hmm. and then try to provide them all the wraparound services that yes, they need, yes, yes. which expands the, the, it forces us to expand the reach where before they was in a, concentrated area right. you know, we could provide it there but you have them scattered all over the county and oh, city state yes. and world for that matter yes yeah so it 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 works but then again it doesn't because now that veteran is more isolated mm-hmm. which is another whole set of issues yeah so yeah it is um definitely a, a serious a serious issue for sure yes okay okay so um I'm kind of going down my list here. Is there anything that that I we haven't discussed that you want to be sure we get out? Well, I mean, the truth is is that um, dealing with mental health or mental illness, and uh, rec- there are a lot of people who frown upon mental mental health services. Um, you know, like. Typically, in our community, if you had a little issue, you go and talk to grandma about it, right? Or you, or you, you know, you talk to your uncle about it, or um, you, you, you kept it in house, in, in, you know, kept it under wraps. Mm-hmm. You didn't put it out there, um, and uh, so people are kept home or hearing voices, or, or who are very depressed, or who are having uh, anxiety attacks. And uh, they don't get the help that they need. And of course, the truth of the matter is, someplace, sometimes when they do go out and seek help, their the treatment is medication. You know, let's drug them up. Right. Uh, and they're now they're in a stupor state. Uh, and uh, so, so I mean, is sometimes the treatment that's available isn't isn't really. Um, helping the person to function in a normal way. Mm-hmm. I mean, so so you can you can take chemicals and put it in a person's body, and they're and they're not they're not nervous or depressed or threatening to kill themselves, but they're also like uh, they're they're in a stupor state. They're so I mean, you know, do you want a person to to just be like a vegetable? Or do you want them to be able to function? So, so a lot of people avoid mental health services because some mental health providers push drugs, push drugs. And now, you know, in some cases, drugs are needed, but in many cases, you can 
you can help a person to deal with to deal with life's problems without medication. Mm. Um, you know, you can help them to look at options. You can help them to have hope uh, and to to find a support group. And uh, you know, there are other ways to help other than uh, to to drug up a person with pills. So you- I mean, we have to deal with the with the stigma mm-hmm. of mental mental illness, but we also have to admit that sometimes our mental health uh, treatment programs tend to, to drug people up and make them uh, like vegetables, and, and that's not really helpful. I, I have, um, do, well, let me just, do you think religion, spirituality, maybe not religion, but spirituality mm-hmm. alone, or can spirituality, I know it can help, but can it resolve that seriously you you know the truth is uh depending on what the issues are but but having hope having belief uh in higher and a higher power in in god um you know uh being with a group of other believers having that support system um you know for some people that can make a big difference in terms of their ability to remain calm and to look at life in a different light. In other words, uh, if you're going through a difficult time, realizing that 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 trouble don't last always, as right. as, our, as our grand folks, as yes. our, our as our, our ancestors would you would sing, mm-hmm. trouble don't last always. Uh, so having a, an understanding that if you if you're having a problem with finances or or with health issues or whatever the issues are, that it, it could be only a temporary situation that can be worked through and resolved. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to give up hope. You don't have to feel like there's no tomorrow. Um, so yes, um, um, having spirituality or belief, a belief system can help to overcome some of the issues that are, uh, that, that, our people face. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. So what I, I, one of my missions is always with the podcast and, and, and as you have spoken with me and again, I really appreciate your, your time. I have written down some things about, you know, some ideas uh, for future episodes, whether it be between you and I or or whatever, you know, one of them, like a support group. I, I don't believe there is a homeless support group and yeah. I don't you know where they you know get amongst oh, themselves absolutely. absolutely you'd be surprised the ingenuity of of some homeless people and if there was if they had other homeless people and they met they could talk about different ways that they have have uh overcome obstacles mm-hmm. and share that with other homeless folk right um um, you know, even accessing services, the ways that they were able to access services or, 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 or get to food banks or, or you know, mm-hmm. uh, all kinds of things. You'd be surprised that, that homeless people, if they could share that with other homeless people in a support group or even just the encouragement of say, hey, you know, I've made it and you can make it too. Just, just exactly. having that 
that sense of support from other people who've gone through what you're going through makes yeah. a difference. Yeah. So yes, yeah. I would encourage you to to develop a support group for homeless people um, because I think they can help each other. Exactly. They yeah. can support yeah. each other. Yes. Okay. Okay. So um, like I said, in wrapping up, you know, um, if you could provide some tips or some, I'll just use the word tip for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. for a brother, because we specifically focus with the with the with the men of color as yes. far as on the brothers journey show. Yes. Um, so brother handling some trauma, how do you do this or mental mental health or mm-hmm. mental stress issues? So if you could just, you know, close this out. We have six minutes, so you have plenty yeah. of time to to just <laughs> let it go. Yeah, well, I think it's important that people feel comfortable with uh, a therapist or with someone that they want to seek help with. I mean, it's like anything else. Um, Seeking a medical doctor or anyone, you want to feel comfortable with the person that's providing services. Uh, And uh, if you don't feel comfortable, and, and what does that mean? That means that you probably would want to seek out a person of color uh, who can relate to your experiences. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, so there are there are therapists out there who are people of color like me, um, um, there are, who are veterans like me, mm-hmm. uh, who can provide counseling services to, um, to veterans or to homeless people. Um, so I would say seek out someone that you feel comfortable with and Oftentimes, that means a person of color like you uh, who's had some experiences that that you can relate to, you know, that you so you feel comfortable with. But, you know, like anything else, you'd want someone who's confident. Um, so, you know, um, give yourself two or three sessions to see if that if it's a good fit. If it isn't a good fit, then you have the option of seeking someone else. But um, give at least two or three sessions so you can see if if it's if it's comfortable, if it's a good fit mm-hmm. for you. Um, but don't be afraid to seek out professional help. I mean, if you've struggled on your own and that's not working, you know, uh, seek out a professional to to to, to get get you some help. Yes. Uh, you know. Um, and recognize that that medication is not the only way to treat uh, various issues that a person is going through. There are therapists. There are uh, mainly, of course, the psychiatrists have been trained in medicine. So their first their their training tells them, hey, if the person is depressed, there must be some kind of uh, chemical imbalance in the brain. So we need to prescribe medications to adjust that chemical imbalance. Uh, But that's only one theory. That's only one explanation of what's going on. So, you know, explore, do your your work, homework, and try to find someone that you're comfortable with, someone who isn't going to just push medications as the only way to resolve issues. So those are some things that I would recommend Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and again, the support group that we are, we've already talked about. 
Got it. Got it. Good. Good. So now, if um, one of my listeners um, is interested in contacting you, sir, mm -hmm. yes. how, how 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 can they find you? Yes. Well, I have a uh, I advertise on Psychology Today, so uh, that's one way they can always reach me is through Psychology Today. Put in my name, Timothy Weaver, uh, in Florida, and um, that that would pop up a way to reach me. But uh, but besides that, uh, they can send me an email. Mm -hmm. My email address is my first initial T for Timothy T. Weaver is my last name. W-E-A-V as in Victor, E-R, T. Weaver 50, T. Weaver 50 at yahoo.com. T. Yes. Weaver 50 at yahoo.com. Send me an email and I'll be happy to set up a Zoom session Uh where we can talk about the issues and I we can begin the process of healing. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. And I will definitely put that information in the episode description, you know, your your email address and yes, um and all of that. So they'll have that um there online. So hopefully okay. um you know the, the whole idea of this was one to you know to encourage the brothers to, to yes. seek help because yes. I really believe there's, I mean, tr trauma is everywhere and yes, we see it and we have to, you know, not unfortunately have to deal with it with our children mm -hmm. who have to go to school. You know, they're yes. still talking about all of the school shootings and the last one in Texas there. Yes. yes. Um, you know, the kids just can't function in school anymore or mm -hmm. afraid to go back to school. Right. Right. So it is something that unfortunately we're going to have to deal with from now mm -hmm. on. Yes, sir. Yeah, so I appreciate what you do to help the veterans, to help the people in general, mm -hmm. um, as far as um, dealing with these these un, these tra these traumatic life events. Yes, sir. So, well, it's a pleasure working with you as well. Uh, yes, and uh, again, if anyone out there who who would like to meet with me, feel free to contact me. I'll be happy to work with you. Yes, sir, definitely. And, and and through our sister Pamela, we will uh continue this connection and doing some things. So I'm sure we will be speaking again soon. Okay, sir. You take care. All right, sir. Thank you and I appreciate your time. You're welcome. All right. Bye -bye. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Brothers Journey Show with your host and navigator, Brother Steve. I hope you were inspired and encouraged to put in the work for next level living. Stay tuned for the next episode where we will continue the journey. Tell your homeboys to join the journey to the next level. Until next time, peace, love, and blessings. Brother Steve.